everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day from Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, and me, Austin Ward. Got a couple things planned to get to, and the College Football Playoff uh, Committee helpfully decided to pass along some dates right before uh, we went on to start talking about this. So this is, was the first time that it really sank into me that this is going to happen in 2024. I know that we've broke down the 12-team field and all the stuff that it's going to uh, happen, how stupid it is to choose the worst possible format. Oh, that's maybe just me. I can't speak for Bill. I've never actually asked him that. But these dates before Christmas that they confirmed, like December 19th and December 20th at on-campus sites, I got to say, I don't like it. And I may be in the minority, but I'm not sure. You don't like the entirety of the operation, or you don't like the way that they have planned out these (laughs) three rounds of playoff games? Both. I already didn't like 12-team. I think it was the worst possible scenario that made the math way more complicated. It doesn't actually solve the problems. And then you're going to have these games on campus right before Christmas. And it it's also because they still can't wean themselves off of the longtime bowls. Like both of these dates that they put out for 24 and 25 have the Rose Bowl, you know, hosting these quarterfinals and maintaining January 1. It's like even though they've said they're going to be more aggressive and kick the Rose Bowl out. And if you don't want to be part of this, then don't be part of it. The very first dates that they put out still involve them having a late afternoon window on January 1. And and then that changes the dates that they can do everything else. Now you're talking about a national championship game into the third week in January. I don't like any of it. I hate it all. <laughs> I wonder what that's what's it going to do for the portal window. Are they, they going to push the portal window back now? We'll have the we'll have the first portal window end like February twentieth, and then the next portal window window opens like three weeks later. I think that'd be great. Uh, it's and the early signing period, which would probably be you know we're talking what December it says December the twentieth, right? Friday, December twentieth. That means the early signing period would start on the eighteenth and end the day of the first playoff game. So. You have teams who are in the playoffs preparing to play this game that will have to spend three weeks in December. I, I, I assume the Big Ten is going to do away with the Big Ten championship game, right? Like they're going to have to? No, no they like money. Oh, yeah, money's great. So so you're going to play a Big Ten championship game on December 3rd or or what? Uh, so that yeah, would be... Which, which won't mean anything except for seating purposes. Which will have no value. You're going to play that game. Then you're going to come home, prepare for finals, prepare for the transfer portal, prepare for the signing day period, and prepare for a college football playoff game on your campus in the middle of freezing December. Uh, and then for those of us like who get to cover this stuff for a living, it's always a blessing, but I'm thinking about it like I think about everything. Well, how does it affect me? Uh, and there's a potential we would be gone from our homes for a, a month straight, essentially, from december 20th through january 20th like that's insane yeah i for one am very much looking forward to uh flying back and forth between phoenix and los angeles and then los angeles again in this span of three weeks to cover ohio state run making a run to the national championship uh yeah um what do you make do you like the 12 team bill i guess i've never asked you that um I, I don't know. I'm fine with it. I was I was in favor of expansion, um, but I didn't really have a thought about it beyond that. This this does feel like perhaps too big of a jump too quickly. Maybe you could have built up to this to to 
determine the feasibility of it by maybe going to six or eight first and then seeing where it goes from there. Maybe people would maybe wouldn't be interested in that, but um, maybe we would have had answers to some of these questions we're asking now if we could have learned about it a little more along the way. Um, I like the idea of on-campus games. I understand the like the infrastructure of it may not be great for a lot of places, including Ohio State. Um, I don't know. I'm a little torn on it. I'm more torn on it than I thought I'd be. But I, I used to be like, yeah, expand it. Like, what are we doing? Only four teams. This stinks. And now that it's like here, it's like, oh, I don't know if I like this. This is <laughs> this is weird. I don't I don't think I'm ready for this just yet. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm mixed emotions. I think is is where I'm at. The one the one, <clears throat> as Berm said, like we tend to think about ourselves and like how this might impact us. We hear fairly often from Ohio State fans who are like. Oh, I don't know if I want to go to the Fiesta Bowl because I can't afford to go to the Fiesta Bowl and the national championship if they win if they win that game and go there. Now they have to make a distinction between three bowl games and perhaps in some years, like if Ohio State is somehow like playing in the first round on the road, you have to make like it stinks for fans, I think, who want to go and like watch the team in person. As a television product, I'm sure it's fine and that's probably all that matters, but it, it fundamentally changes, I think, the dynamics of of wanting to watch Ohio State compete in the postseason in person. It turns it into the Super Bowl. It, it'll be a, an event for media and, and corporate, you know, elites to to go to the national championship game, as opposed for the average fan, which it, it is really unfortunate. Um, you know, I I, be, I was a big proponent of, of expansion. I thought they should have gone to eight teams or sixteen. As Austin said, twelve. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's a dumb number, and it just sort of throws things into 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 chaos for no reason. If you're going to go to 12, you may as well just go to 16 because we know that's where it's going to go in five years anyway. You have sweet 16s. You have elite eight. Like the reason 12, the number, the actual number is terrible 12s. Nobody likes it. They call it terrible 12s, dirty dozen. Like they don't ever even (laughs) want to say the number. Like this might be the single worst reason that I can come up with to mock this format, but like the number 12 doesn't work for anything. Yeah, Except even in eggs. baking, even in baking, they give you a thirteenth one, one just more, to, yeah. you know, because like whoa, 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 twelve sucks. <laughs> Let's not do this. But you, like, what I don't, what I most dislike about it is that they didn't avoid any of the nonsense of trusting a selection committee to get things right when you're instituting these buys, and you're going to have a massive de- debate between four and five every single time. Because guess what? We've already been dealing with that. Went with a four-team field for the last ten years. They didn't. They didn't alleviate that concern. They could have just gone and improved the product with making the conference championships matter to qualify to get into uh, one of the top six spots in an eight-team field, and then you'd still have the debate. But at least you wouldn't have buys. You would have a clear-cut playoff bracket that most people could just uh, look at and accept. And if you think that that eight is not enough, then make the math easier and go to sixteen. Like twelve was. I guess in their mind, like, well, what if we just let's just make a compromise and go right in the middle? Well, if that's the amount of thought they put into it, they've grossly, grossly <laughs> made a mistake about the value of this product. We're talking seventeen game seasons here for college football. That's bonkers. But the other part that uh, you both alluded to: how does this affect us, and then how does it affect Ohio State fans? There's a third part. Uh, that you're getting to there with the players, with the amount of physical wear and tear over the course of a season, but also their families, which would want to see their uh, their sons play in a postseason. And we know from the very first time when Urban Meyer stood up at a podium in the Woody and was like, 
the families can't afford to go to these games. And they, they immediately got that changed. Like all they had to do was speak up and they got a magical stipend for a couple family members to go. Uh, now you're going to have to add to that teams that are going to be on the road to go to these other campus sites and then multiple games once you move forward in quarterfinals, semifinals in the playoffs. Like somebody's going to need to step up and pay for that because guess what? Not every, not every player, 1 through 85, comes from a family that can afford to make those trips, especially on one or two weeks' notice. So something's going to have to be done to cover the bill for that. What do we think they're going to do? Are they going to do something stupid? Like if you lose in the first round of the playoffs, you can like still go to the Outback Bowl. I think they, I think they got rid of that idea. DNIT okay. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, no. What do you do here? Do you expand rosters? Do you add another ten scholarships? Because you have seventeen games. These kids are going to be worn out. You're going to have a lot more injuries. You're going to have, you know, you have to push back the NFL uh, declaration deadline. Like everything is going to change because of this this decision which I, I know why they're doing it because money talks but man it, it doesn't seem like it's very well thought out and I, I don't know who's been doing the thinking this out over the last eight months but if this is the solution it does not make a lot of sense to me i think the answer is not football coaches <laughs> because if they were i think i don't think it, i wonder if they like do you have to change the red shirt rule like do you have to like eliminate it you can just play the one year it doesn't count or play more than four games at least like i, th- I think you Roster expansion. Eight games now? I mean, like, yeah, it, it, how, do you, how do you how do you figure this out? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I guess they'll, like everything else in college football, uh, they'll just Make it do up it as they go. and then figure it out after the fact. But that's the weirdest part, Bill, is that clearly coaches weren't consulted on this because there's no way that they would have signed off on this format. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody that is around the sport, even just covering it like we do, and aren't actually being in a facility day in and day out with the practices and all the other responsibilities be like, you know, we just poked five holes in it in five minutes. Like it's, it's so incredibly stupid. I have a, a question that is slightly off topic, off topic, but now I need to know Austin, uh, what's your favorite number? If you don't like 12, like how oh. like, can you, can you rank your favorite numbers? Yeah. I mean, the best number is 33. There's, oh, okay. there's no question. Kevin Brown guy over here. <laughs> 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 the great Larry Purge jersey number 33. Uh, it's just a Sammy Baugh, you mean? No, I don't mean Sammy Baugh. I don't, I, you could have given me a million guesses what number Sammy Baugh wore, and I never would have guessed 33 until Devin Brown decided to give us all history lesson. You but, wouldn't, it wouldn't have taken you just 33 guesses to get no, there. No, it wouldn't have. I would have, I would have kept guessing like seven, probably 200,000 times. So I never would have got to 33. <laughs> I didn't think it was a legal quarterback number. I still don't. And it's a, I don't, I'm at a loss. I think back in those days, he was just called like a halfback and they let the halfback throw the football around also. Hmm. Burn, what's your favorite number? Uh, I have a myriad uh, of favorite numbers. Growing up, my favorite number when I st- started playing sports was 44 because that was Eric Davis's number, my favorite player of all time uh, on the baseball diamond. Um, then I switched to number 21, which is sort of the number I, I would most closely associate with myself now. Um, all my brothers and sisters, like my brothers, we all wore our numbers based on where our birth date was. Like my brother Bobby was born on the 7th, so he wore 7. Joey wore 9, et cetera. Um, but because my twin sister and I were born on the 1st, I decided to wear 2-1, like two ones. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that became sort of my, my go-to. That's nice. I like 21's a great number. 21's a great yeah. number. 
They've made a whole game around it. Mm. Yeah. Lots of games around it. Bill, what's yours? Uh, 19, my birthday, and then uh, I wore 25 when I played baseball because... Mm. Uh, Jim, Jim, Jim Tomei. Jim Tomey, Barry Bonds. I like I like the long ball. So uh, and then I wore seventy seven when I played hockey because I liked Paul Coffee for some reason. <laughs> I think of Ray Bork when I think of seventy seven. Yeah, probably probably a much more famous seventy seven. <laughs> Paul, uh, Paul uh, Coffee. I I was a, a a Red Wings fan growing up, so I, I like Paul Coffee in seventy seven. Yeah, gross. Um, all right. So I don't want to stress myself out even more thinking about. Uh, mid-December on-campus games and the stupidity of that. Yeah, I have one well, more thing I need to say. Folks, we're going to start a GoFundMe to um, you know, help pay for our travel uh, for <laughs> next December. So look for the link um, sometime soon because we're going to need your help. Yes, uh, help us, please. Um, well, this is completely off topic. Like They're probably going to have to get rid of all the bowl festivities. That's another part. They, oh, yeah. they, they won't, but they're going to they're going to have to because you can't go to these on-campus sites and then make the teams turn around and travel on Christmas and the media travel on Christmas, by the way, and then have them do all the nonsense like playing for the Chick-fil-A you know, belt and uh, what playing trivia and family feud. Like Those things, are they have to go. Get rid of the bowl system. Please, stop. What, whatever we can do to avoid having to watch the media and college football teams eat extremely underdone roast beef in <laughs> California, I am all for. Like, whatever has to happen. So if this, if this is what has to occur for that, to, that practice to be kaput, count me in. We're talking to you, Lowry's. The hmm. beef bowl has got to go. No thank you. Yeah, underwhelming, underwhelming, the Lowry's Beef Bowl. Under cream corn, no thanks. <laughs> uh, well, Firm had to rile me up just a little bit more before we moved on. Um, I don't know how interesting the story is to uh, the public at large. Maybe you guys weren't uh, as interested in it as I was when CJ Stroud appeared on the, the Shop podcast. He talked a bit about Quinn Ewers and feeling disrespected before uh, his first season as a starting quarterback in 2021. And the, you know, I, we were asked about this on the board at Ohio State which is why it's in my mind is maybe something that we could provide some insight on because the timing, I think, is a little bit confusing. And then they didn't really follow up on it in this conversation. It was like CJ felt disrespected and he said he didn't really find out about it until the start of training camp. And I think both of those things line up with what we know about the way that that timeline worked. And I, for me, I'll just say at the start that I think that the disrespect card is, or whatever CJ was talking about is just kind of an athlete's motivation and not like actual anger or uh, grudges against the way Ohio State had to handle that. Because, Berm, as you remember, and you can re recount for everybody here, the Buckeyes really had no choice in this matter. Yeah, I mean, he told them he was changing his class and then he was enrolling. So you either bring him on or you lose the number one player in the country to another school, which obviously they did four months later anyway. But I, I agree with you. I don't think CJ was actually feeling like a anger disrespect or like hurt disrespect. I also think it's an indicator of why CJ Stroud in his first couple of games at Ohio State, there were question marks from, you know, I, I go back to this conversation that we had with Ryan Day in the September of 2021 all the time, where Ryan Day said that CJ Stroud had to decide how much he really wanted it. And I, I really believe that, that there was a, a 
mental hurdle that CJ had to get over at that point. And maybe the Quinn Ewers addition was part of that. Um, but uh, who cares ultimately? I mean, the, the bo- bottom line <laughs> is we're watching Ohio State right now. And, and this is something that I think fans are often wondering, like, why is Ryan Day not more ruthless? Why is Ohio State not more, uh, you know, ruthless when it comes to roster management or, or, or decisions they make? We're, we're talking right now about bringing in the number one player in the country in Queen Ewers versus a roster and knowing that he wasn't going to play that season at all. Uh, so that wasn't even a question. It's not like he was going to play. He came to campus and got basically zero attention from Ryan Day at all because he was working with CJ Stroud and did all of his work with Keenan Bailey as a, you know, that year. So it's not like he was taking reps away from anyone or doing anything else, but fast forward to today. And, you know, we're talking about Ohio state still getting ready to host a safety in the transfer portal when they have 10 safeties on the roster. And if you're going, why do you need that? Well, because if this guy might be better than anything you got, then you don't, you have to just do it. I mean, that's the way it is now, right? That's how you win football games. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of like the winning recipe. There's there's a definite balance there. Like you don't want to you don't want to do that at the expense of potentially losing people. But I guess Ohio State's past that point now when it comes to bringing in potential transfers on on visits. Um, I thought like bringing in Quinn was kind of kind of ruthless. Like they could have said no. They could have mm-hmm. like they they kind of. Uh, I guess on some level they were held hostage a little bit, but they certainly could have said no to bringing him in. But why would you? If you think he's good, you think he's talented, you think he can help your quarterback room, bring him in and see what happens. Um, I don't know. I don't think the CJ thing is much as much of anything. CJ, for better and for worse, I, like definitely has like rabbit ears. He hears everything. I think that people say about him, and and the noise was particularly loud at that moment with Quinn coming in and us wondering. Oh well, I shouldn't say us wondering. I don't think any of us thought that Quinn was going to start that year, but some people were throwing the idea around like Quinn's going to show up with two weeks left in camp and then win the starting job. Like, no, he's not. But uh, <laughs> people were talking about it for some reason, right? Especially um, because he was back home for the first week after. Yeah, you know, he wasn't even. He was on uh, campus for like four days, like total before they played the Minnesota game that year. So um, I don't know. It was a weird time. So I would understand if CJ like felt some type of way about it. Um, I don't recall like feeling that in the moment, but uh, it was like odd for everybody. It was the weirdest thing I think I might've ever covered covering Ohio state. Like you're bringing in the reclassified number one recruit in some people's minds, like ever in the middle of camp while you're trying to decide an already existing quarterback battle. Like it was very strange and Ohio state came out of it the other end. Okay. But if you were feeling weird about it at the time, I understand. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess it's good that it's post draft because maybe if CJ had had this um, interview released two weeks ago, it would have been in the news cycle constantly in the build up to the draft and that CJ was afraid to compete and you couldn't take him number one or number two because uh, he'd be disrespected about anybody else on the roster. So I'm glad that we <laughs> dodged that bullet because you're right. It, you brought this up earlier, Bill. Like it's, this isn't really a national story. It's kind of, you know, hyper specific to Ohio state and doesn't actually have any long-term ramifications, especially now that CJ uh, is going to the Houston Texans in Quinn Ewers has been gone for a year and a half down to Texas. So it ha- it doesn't change anything uh, retroactively or for the future of the Ohio State position. If there was anybody that could have felt disrespected or concerned, it wouldn't have been C.J. Stroud, who was almost certainly going to be the starting quarterback. would have been Kyle McCord. And I think he also probably took that challenge on more and didn't. He's never complained about that publicly, and I don't know why C.J. would have done that two years ago either so that may not be the be all end all of this conversation but Kyle went to work and had all those opportunities ahead of Quinn and I think that was also part of the decision making 
when Quinn decided to leave that December is that Kyle had a really good year, uh, spring of preparation after another person showed up right as training camp started. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, I think, I think it's something that it's fun to talk about. It's good fodder, but I do think that it is, it is instructive to the way Ohio state maybe is now looking at roster building and roster management because in the last month, you know, with the transfer portal as it is, we've seen the addition of Lorenzo Styles, and now, like I said, the, this kid from uh, UAB, whose first name is it, Jaden Jaden Key, I think, uh, a safety that you know you look at it and he's got pretty good film, but you're like, ah, how do you fit this guy in? And the answer is, who cares? If he's better than our current guys, we'll play him. And um, it, it is sort of a difficult transition for Ohio State fans because I think, in some way, like we all grow up with this romanticized uh, view of college football and how it's supposed to be. And, and that is clearly just not the way it is anymore. And if you can't handle that as a player on the roster at a place like Ohio state, then you're probably not where you belong. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I kind of, it's the same deal with like Tywin Malone. Like if they end up getting him, like I don't know that they necessarily need him, but if you think he's good, bring him in. And like, if the guys on the roster don't like it, then I don't know. That's like, that's what's going to happen at the next level of football. If you have aspirations to play there, like, you don't own the spot on your roster. Like if, if there's better options or they want to increase competition, they go out and do that. It's a pretty ruthless business. And I guess maybe some people might lament that college football is becoming more that way, but it's happening either way. So I guess deal with it. It's ruthless and getting more ruthless, sir. <laughs> I don't think that's what you meant. Uh, ruthless, sir. I don't even, that's not even necessarily my read on this situation because as we went into last weekend, Ohio State felt that it already had room for the reasons that we've outlined, players that were leaving in the portal and some medical red shirts. Like I don't I don't think that they're doing this on the cusp of the number. And then like if Taiwan Malone comes in, oh, somebody's got to go, you're kicked out, or the same thing with the safety. Like I, I don't think they're doing it at the expense of the current roster or uh, considering anybody's feelings or getting ready to actually become more ruthlesser and cutting the bottom half of the roster because like that doesn't appear to be the case at all or else there are other people on this team and and to be fully candid who would have been much more obvious targets to cut to bring in more options through the transfer portal and Ohio State did not do that yeah that's why it's surprising that you we're talking about another safety who's visiting yeah. as opposed to another offensive lineman yeah it's not it's not your roster spot but it's your role right you you're, you can feel threatened in that way you're like Ohio State's not processing kids, um, like happens other places where they just like tell you to go kick rocks and don't mm -hmm. honor honor your scholarship. Like the Ohio State still does that, but the the next level below that, I guess, is bringing in a player sort of over you, even if your roster yeah. spot is still solidified. All right, you guys have convinced me. You're you're right about that. Um, you win, ruthless this round. sir. I like you, ruthless sir. You ruthlesser guys, uh, you win that round. Uh, thanks for joining us for uh, a little bit different conversation, but hey, it's uh, a hump day version of the podcast daily, and it's also May, so there's going to be some different topics that we're going to have to get through as we bear through this offseason together. Uh, for Bill and Berm, I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.